Thank you for joining us here on the Radio Bible Course for our continuing study of the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 10. In the opening verses, the writer has talked about the inadequacy of the sacrifices under the Old Testament system. He said those sacrifices could not cleanse the conscience. They were deficient. But now, in verses 5 through 10, we have a look at the perfect sacrifice. And, of course, the writer wants to make this comparison. At the heart of the sacrifice of Christ was the desire of the Savior to do the Father's will. This is expressed in verse 7, which says, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O God, as it is written of me in the roll of the book. That tells us that salvation was planned by God and Christ was sent to do his will, that is, God's will. Again in verse 9, we have the same statement. And I'll read verses 8 and 9 together. When he said above, Thou hast neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Lo, I have come to do thy will. This section tells us that God prepared the body for Jesus. He did that through the virgin. Keep in mind that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in Bethlehem more than 1960 years ago, but Christ has always existed. He is referred to in his earlier form in heaven with the Father as the Word. John tells us that very clearly in John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. That's in the beginning, with God that is. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John brings it down to our level in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's when God prepared the body for the Christ, and he became known as Jesus the Christ. It was all through that virgin girl, that Jewish girl that God favored and blessed her and let her bring into the world the eternal Savior. Now, it was God's creation, and it was sinless. God made a perfect body for a perfect sacrifice that would make us perfectly acceptable to the Father. And if your Jesus is any less than a virgin-born Jesus, then you are not following the Jesus of the Bible. You have created your own Jesus. Now, some people have done that. They want Jesus to be their teacher and their example and someone they can quote when they want to accomplish some social action, but they are not wanting to take Jesus for what the Bible claims him to be. So men have invented their own Jesus. Now in verse 10, we have a statement about the effectiveness of the sacrifice of Christ. It refers to the perfect and complete work of salvation of this great priest, our Savior. It reads, and by that will, referring to the will of Christ to do God's will, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Anyone reading that statement certainly could conclude that the sacrificial system would end with Jesus Christ 
and it did. When he was sacrificed on that cross, much happened. God displayed that he had ended an age. He caused the the curtain in the temple, which was quite tall, taller, much taller than a man. He caused that curtain to split from top to bottom, and it exposed the Holy of Holies. And men could look in and see that the presence of God had departed. Now that was a sacred place, but it all ended when Jesus Christ was crucified. And a new covenant was established following that. This was God's sign to the world, but he gave another sign. Darkness came over the whole world for the space of three hours. It was another sign that God had ended one age and was going to initiate a new age. Now, in verse 5, we have quoted an Old Testament passage pointing to the sacrifice of Christ. We have in the Law and the Prophets scores of prophecies about this anointed person who would be the deliverer of Israel and the light to the Gentiles. We have all heard about his birthplace at Bethlehem and the virgin who would conceive and bring forth a son. Other prophecies foretold that he would be a son of David and from the root of Jesse, the father of David. And Moses in the book of Genesis records the prophecy that in Abraham all the nations would be blessed. That, of course, refers to his most notable descendant who is described in Matthew 1.1 as the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament also describes the rejection and crucifixion of this anointed one. David wrote it in Psalm 22. They pierced my hands and my feet. But here in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 5, we have quoted another kind of prophecy. This one about his sacrificial body. He writes, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings thou hast not desired, but a body hast thou prepared for me. I'm not sure that we as Christians can fully appreciate what is written here, but if you had been a Hebrew reared under the Old Testament law and then heard the gospel and believed in Jesus Christ, I think then you could appreciate fully what is written here. The writer would have reminded you of the law being only a shadow. He reminded them that the sacrifices under the law could not make the worshippers perfect before God, and he said it's impossible for the blood of animals to take away sins. In verse 1, the writer called attention to what the law could not do and why it couldn't, because it was only a shadow. Shadows, my friend are something to look at, but not effective to accomplish anything. We don't depend upon shadows. There's no market for them. When I see the shadow of a man on the pavement, I can be certain of one thing. There is a real man close by casting that shadow. But what's on the pavement is not that man. We don't talk to shadows, nor do we love them. A shadow can't do anything for me nor do I expect it to serve me. The word shadow in the Greek is skia, and it means an outline cast by an object. That's what the law was like. 
All the Old Testament rituals, practices, and objects in the tabernacle were shadows, or if you prefer, fuzzy sketches. Or, if you're into photography, you might appreciate this, out-of-focus pictures of a coming reality. In Colossians 2.16 we read, Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are only a shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. That tells me that the Old Testament prophet Moses was given descriptions of Jesus, the Son of God, in the form of sacrifices, rituals, priests, blood, and so forth. The point of it all was this. God will come in the flesh in a coming day to fulfill all these pictures and these shadows, and then the need for them will pass away. When that person arrives, of what need is there for pictures of that person? There is no need, and they are useless. This is another reason why the New Testament teaches Christians that they are not under law. I think the writer of the book of Hebrews could have written a comparable statement that would sound like this. You are not following shadows. You are following Jesus Christ, the one who has a body. Occasionally, someone asks if I plan to teach a course on the Old Testament. As you may know, we now have about 25 courses on cassette tapes about the New Testament, and I continue to offer short courses around the city on New Testament epistles, but, but almost nothing exclusively on the Old Testament. Why not? Because I find it impractical to teach about shadows of someone who has come. Neither do I concentrate on the shadows Jesus gave about the coming kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. Those teachings are the law of the king to Israel, and they give us a glimpse of what life in the kingdom will be when the king returns to earth. David's son, the Messiah of Israel, the Christ sent by God 2,000 years ago, will return to rule this world in peace and righteousness. The government will be on his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That's what Isaiah wrote. Church leaders won't bring us this kingdom. Religious unity can't bring Christ back. Who then will do it? Isaiah said the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I said I don't concentrate on these things. I focus teaching on the one who has come, who is the shadow's reality. In Hebrews 10.1, we read that the law was a shadow of good things to come. Good things? It's obvious that all Christians don't see the importance of these words. Some are focused on preserving the holiness of the Old Testament Sabbath day. They're looking at a shadow. God wants us to look at the reality of Christ, who is our eternal rest. Jesus said, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, verse 10, we were told that all who believe in him entered that rest and ceased from their works as God did from his. 
Now, in closing, look at verse 10 of chapter 10. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Are you sanctified? Do you believe you are? Or are you trying to get sanctified? Verse 10 tells you that when Christ died, you were sanctified. And you never need to get sanctified again because it was once for all by the body of Christ. And what a comparison this priest is to those priests of the Old Testament whose sacrifices could never cleanse the conscience. They could never take away sin. Now, the words at the end of that verse are important. It says, once for all. That means once for all time. Have you been sanctified once for all time by the body of Jesus Christ? Well, if you believe that he came to do the will of the Father and that he accomplished that, then you are forced to believe that you have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Never again will you have to be praying that God would sanctify you. You won't have to have an experience to make you more right with God. You'll never be more righteous than you were the moment you believed in this one who gave his body in perfect obedience to the Father. In closing, let me say that if you have trouble understanding the Bible, our free booklet entitled Grace will be of immense help to you. Write for your free copy. Ask for the Grace booklet. Don't send money. It's free. Until next week, this is Nick Calaboda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.